Hey everyone, it's Pastor Jacob. Hope this message gives you encouragement, perspective, and revelation from God to give to others. Also, don't forget to follow us on our Instagram page, Fusion Student Media, and also follow me on Instagram, at Jacob underscore Malasa underscore. We hope you enjoy the message. So this week we've been talking about how, how we like to customize Christ to the point where our lives, His what he says has to line up with our lives. But what if I told you your life has to line up with his? And that's the whole the series has been all about is customizing ourselves to who Christ is rather than Christ customizing to us. And so the first week we talked about uh, how we customize our perspective, how we look at things. Last week I talked about your walk. Um, and those two things are very important. It's about how you look at things and how your walk is with God. And so... For this final um, part of the series, I'm going to be talking about friendships. And the title of this message is, Show Me Your Friends. Have you ever heard that phrase, show me your friends and I'll show you your future? You've heard that before? That's like, that's like one of a, they use it as a profound statement of like, oh, like I know if you show me your friends, I'll show you what your future is going to look like. And what that shows is that it's the people who you hang around with that helps you with your future, that helps you with your purpose. And... With this sermon and with this series in general with friends, sometimes we let our friends customize who we need to be rather than already being ourselves with our friends. And you, you've probably, and we, sometimes you just do it like out of impulse. It's like, oh, I'll just be like this right now. I'm not going to really be like that in front of my friend. I'm just going to act this certain way. But with our friends, a lot of times we customize to the point where we're a completely different person with them but then when we're by ourselves, we're completely different. And so with friends, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. That's a true and profound statement because it's who you hang around with that makes you who you are. It's who you hang around with that makes you who you're supposed to be. And so that's what this uh, message is going to be about. I preached a couple of months ago about friendships, but for this one, it's the same thing, but in a different light. So I'm going to start in Acts chapter 9, and we're going to start in verse 10. I'm going to give a bit of context what I'm talking about in this passage uh, this is to the point where, if you know the Bible a little bit, we're talking about Paul. And Paul, before he became Paul, he was Saul. And Saul, in this time, he was killing other Christians. He was in a very evil place where he was killing others for preaching the gospel. And where this message leaves out is, right now he's headed to Damascus, and uh, he's about to go kill even more Christians. But... The Lord revealed himself, Jesus revealed himself while he was going to, uh, to uh, Damascus. Jesus appeared in front of him as a bright light, and it blinded Paul. And what happened was, was that Jesus had told Paul, hey, go to, the, go to Damascus, you'll be blind for three days. And so that's what happened. He was blind for three days, couldn't see anything. But God was going to send him someone that was going to help him out with this journey. And that's where we start in verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go into the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying for he is praying. Verse 12, in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. 
Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all, and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest all who can call on your name. Talking about he was going to arrest and kill Christians. Verse 15, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer in my name. Then Ananias went to the house he entered, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming there, coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something, immediately something like scales fell off of Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come to take the prisoners into the chief priests? So these people are saying, hey, isn't he the one that was murdering all my people? Why is he here? Why is he doing this all of a sudden? What's going on? They're confused with the uncertain part of Paul being a good guy. And so... Going on to verse 22, yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled, uh, grew more and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving Jesus, proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him, but Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him, but his followers, I call him his friends, his followers, um, took him by night and lowered him in the basket though an op- uh, through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him into the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. And how in Damascus he pre- he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul fearlessly, so Saul stayed with them and moved on, moved about. I'm sorry, moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in my name in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with Hellenistic Jews. How do you say that? But they tried to kill him. And when the believers learned this, they took him down. And sent him off to Tar- Tarsus. What that introduction shows you, if let me recap it for a moment, what we just spoke about, Saul did not deserve any of what he was experiencing. He was showing himself a murderer, a liar. He was going to kill other believers. He didn't deserve that grace, that type of grace, that type of mercy. But God sent people in his life, almost like not just followers, but friends, in the reaction of, hey, God's called you, we're going to get you there. God called you, we're going to get you there. And that's what this message is about, is that if you don't discern the friends you have, 
if you walk down the road with those friends, they're going to lead you into a place where it's not meant for you to be. Especially when it comes to like how your friends bring you into this or bring you into that and you know it's not of God, but something in you just wants, hey, I want to impress these people. That's the, that's the wrong mentality. That's the wrong route. That's a place where you get to learn about these friends that you try to be with, that you try to follow with. They don't lead nowhere. I'm not saying they're bad people. They're probably great people. They probably have good intentions and everything. But if we rely on people, friends, if we rely on them to lead us to a place, we're going to fall into the wrong place. Without the Lord on our side and without the Lord discerning what friends we should have, then that's going to lead us into a greater depth of a hole and despair. Most people are constantly looking for friends. Some people are desperately looking for friendships. At times we stand frozen with fear when life shakes us to the core. At times the legs don't support, the healthy heart nearly breaks. At times we can, we can barely muster a, pl- a prayer and when it comes out, it's a plea for a friend. Because you've dealt with loneliness. We've all dealt with that. We've all dealt with rejection. We've all dealt with those things where we feel like we can't live in a mentality of feeling like there's a friend out there for me. We live in that. I've lived in that. Is there really a friend out there that cares? Is there really a friend out there that really supports? That's a mentality that I've always had. Because it's an overthinking, it's an overthinking mentality. Where it's like, are they really, do they really care? Most, more than likely, you already know the story of Saul's conversion, like we just talked about. Whenever we come to the well-known passage of Scripture, like we have in Acts 9, we might even know the story too well. Uh, so today, I want you to picture yourself in, in Paul's shoes. What I just preached about, what I just read to you, I want you to picture yourself in Saul's shoes. He's been killing Christians. He's been going down the wrong route. All of a sudden, Jesus hits him with a light. And now he's blind for three days. Now he has nowhere to go. He's hit a situation where it's blinded him. What did God do? He sent people to help him. Not just any people. He sent people that cared. He sent people that would love him and care about him. That's an actual friend. But sometimes we look for friends that aren't even paying attention. We're searching for friends that don't even seem like they just register with us. They're just like, oh, you're cool and everything, like you're just another friend. And I preached about this a while back, and I want to remind you that we shouldn't treat friends like contracts. We should treat friends like covenants. We should treat friends like they are someone that's personal to me. And that's what we don't get. And that's what we don't look for, because we're looking for all the validation and all of this stuff in the wrong place. In the wrong place. So picture yourself in Paul's shoes. He is alone, by himself, blind for three days. But what did God do? He sent someone. And that's what I want to preach to you today is a few things I want to talk about, about an actual friend. Someone that doesn't customize you, but sends you into the way of where God wants you to be, rather than where they want you to be. Because I can tell you something right now. I've had friends that have had opinions, and I've had friends that have had wisdom. And both are great. Both are awesome. I appreciate your advice. I appreciate all the comfort. But what I need to understand is, is that are you going to lead me to what the Lord wants me to do? Are you going to lead to me what you think I need? That's where you have to discern it. And so I want to give you a couple of things. The first thing I want to talk about is what a true friend is, is that they will be there. 
they will be there. Have you already been thinking about the best friends you've had? Like think of your, the closest friend you have or the closest friend that you've had and think about if the faces of your favorite people have already come to your mind, you're remembering people who found a way to be with you. Many of them were with you in the routine of life. Maybe you attend class together. Perhaps you grew up in the same home, the same neighborhood. Maybe it's your favorite tennis partner or fishing buddy. I just put that in. I didn't know why I put that in. If you live, in life, if you live long enough, the best friends in your life, the best friends in your life, I lost my track, the best friends in, of your life, what the heck? That worded wrong. Hold up. Okay. The best friends of your life were also those who found a way to be with you during tough times. How many stories would we have today if we were told of friends that drove hundreds of miles to be with you? That would rather be by your side, that they would come if something, if you were in a disappointment, if you were in a hard place, what's that friend that you can think of that would be there with you? That friend that would be there when everything else, when the whole world was against you, what friend would be there? And that's what I want to tell you is that the, the true friend that is within, is within you and others, it's not just the friends you have, it's you. It's even you to be there for someone, to be there when they're by themselves. Luke 6.35, I didn't write this down, but it says this, Luke 6.35. It's on there. It's right after that. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. This shows a, a, God gives you a perspective in this passage about being a friend even when you don't get nothing back, even when you don't receive anything back, because I've always been like that. I always thought my friends would give me something back, but that's not the case. You want to know why? Because God's teaching you to be that selfless friend, to be not in the customization of if, they, if I do something, they'll give me something back. That's not the case. God said, love your enemies. And even a friend could be an enemy. I've had friends that were enemies in my mind. I've had friends that were frenemies or whatever you call it. Frenemies. And in that regard to that, we forget that God has shown us a great picture of loving someone without any conditional gift back. And what I mean by that is if you have a friend that loves you enough, they'll do it without remorse. They'll do it without complaining. They'll do it without any type of getting back from. And that's what you got to get with that is you got to be there for someone. You have to be there in their moment. Ananias almost certainly had a family and already a set of faithful friends. Ananias didn't even know who Paul was. Didn't know who Paul was. Just a regular prophet in Damascus, doing his own thing, chilling with his own friends, hanging out with his own family. But he kept up with the news and knew that Saul was a terrorist. Saul was. He was a terrorist to the Christians. He was killing other believers. And I believe in my heart, this is how the Lord told Ananias. He said, Ananias said the Lord, I have a new friend for you. Before he fully understood, Ananias simply said, yes, Lord. He obeyed to it. Because sometimes you're going to have friends that you don't like. Let me tell you something. I, you, I, I bet you can think of it right now. The one friend that you are just like, man, they better not come to my birthday party. They whack. 
You know who you're, you know who you're thinking about. I'm just helping you understand you know, but you're not going to say it out loud. You're not going to talk about it out loud, but you know who you're talking about. You know who's in that mind that you really don't want to see right now, but they're there. Why? Because God's calling you to some friendships that you're not happy with, but you're going to be in their life to change them in the way that the Lord needs them to be changed. God always sends people, but like I said, you're not going to like it, but if you be sent to it, it's going to help. It's going to help them. So be a faithful friend. Be there with others. The second one is know the power of a gentle touch. Can you all be quiet? Who's saying that? Who said all? Chill. Thank you. Most Hello. Most every culture uses touch in greeting, a handshake, a bear hug, whatever you think about. And it shows all of those things like like whatever that looks like. A touch can show sympathy, friendship, trust, sometimes a powerful trust. What a great gift Ananias gave to him when he saw Saul from the first time. In Acts 9, verse 17, put up verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and he entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He prayed for Saul. He prayed for his revealing of his eyes to be revealed, to be set free from blindness. And what he showed Paul, and when he showed Paul in this passage, and what I believe we need is that the power of being empathetic is just being there. Ananias was just there. He wasn't just preaching to Saul, preaching the scriptures to Saul. He was just there. The power of the gentle touch. That's a place where it's in a comfortable state where doesn't it feel good when someone's just sitting there with you rather than just lecturing you on some stuff? Isn't it best to have just a person that's like, yo, I know where you're at. I know what you're dealing with. They're not giving you something that's going to help you. They're just understanding that you're processing something that's hurting right now. That's the type of gentle touch that we need in our life. I don't need someone giving me their opinion on what to do next. Oh, bro, get over it. It's fine. You're a dude. Get over it, man. That doesn't matter. No, I need someone to sit with me. I need someone to tell, not just tell me, but be with me. And that's why be there and the gentle touch go together. You got to be there and be that person that they can be comforted by. How many of y'all's love language is physical touch? Not many of y'all. Dang. Okay, a few. Raise your hand. Physical touch. Wouldn't it be great if you had that close friend, you're hurting, whatever, and they just come sit beside you and throw their hand over your, over your shoulder and like, yo, you're gonna, it's going to be okay? I got you. I'm with you. I know what it feels like. Isn't that the best feeling in the world? Or example, affirmation, like, bro, you got this. You are important. If you have, if your love language is affirmation, doesn't that feel good to have that moment where someone's actually giving you that affirmation and that comfort and that reality? One, another love language is presence, which means sometimes when someone's with you, that's the best affirmation you can get if someone's with you. All types of stuff. And when someone's with you, it's a different type of love. It's a different type of imagination of that friend's with me. And it's a powerful thing to have. Think of this. Before Saul heard a word from Ananias, a stranger, before he knew the answers to his questions, Saul felt the gentle touch. He didn't know Ananias. Complete stranger. But God sent Ananias. And because he sent him, Saul understood that just because he was with him, he was present, he was comforting him. He put his hands on him. He prayed for him. That 
is like, even if you're a stranger, that's a comfort. That's a security that some of us need because we're constantly by ourselves. We're constantly isolated. Get out of here. Okay. We're so isolated just by ourselves. And that's what he's showing us in this part is Ananias put his hands on Saul and prayed for him and was there with him. That's the power of a gentle touch. The third one is speak the right words at the right time. Please don't be the person that just says everything at once. That is obnoxious. The reason why it's obnoxious is because I don't need to hear all of it right now. I'm still in step one. You in step 55. I can't go that far. You have to, you have to give your friend or you time. A real friend is not going to put all this stuff on you. They're going to give you time to process. Here's a trivia question. What was the second name Saul had in the scripture? What was his second name? Can anybody say it? I want someone in the crowd to say it, youth booth. Shut up. Thank you. Look, Grace, give a hand clap for Grace. Hand clap right now. Appreciate you, Grace. So, so it was Paul. It was Paul. Paul had a name before that. He had Saul, but it changed to Paul. Wait a minute, huh? I think I got my notes wrong, bro. It says, it says Paul wrong. Paul is the third name Saul had in scripture. Then Ananias went to the house, placing his hands on Saul. And he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming home, he sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. You probably spot it if you see it. So his name really wasn't Paul the second time. I got that wrong. I'm sorry. I led y'all astray. But his second name, Saul, it was, before it was ever Paul, it was brother Saul. If you catch it in the scripture where it says in verse 17, placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he has sent me so that you may see again, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Brother Saul. Brother Saul. It may not seem like a big deal to us. It's like, well, whatever. Brother Saul, I call my brother all the time or whatever. But you can bet Saul never forgot the day that he called him a brother for the first time. Imagine sitting in darkness, blindness for three days, and you meet a stranger that's there, that's comforting you, putting his hands on you, praying for you, and calling you Brother Saul. Sister Haley, Brother Nathan, Sister Kennedy, all that stuff. It's kind of weird. It's kind of more traditional. It's like, brother, brother Saul. But what a gift it is to understand that someone sees me as a brother or a sister rather than just somebody. And that's what a faithful friend, a faithful friend does not simply use kind words, but the right words at the right time. That's something he needed to hear. It wasn't something that was just being thrown on him. It was something that was what he needed in that moment. It's what he needed in that moment. Ananias showered Saul with some of the most precious gifts you can give to another human being. He was there for Saul. He comforted him. He touched him and comforted him like a friend that he is. And he spoke kindly to him with the right words at the right time. And over the next several days, Saul just preached the gospel. He was able to prepare because he had a friend there that wouldn't give up. God sent him there. Maybe in your life you have a friend that God has sent but you don't understand why they're there. They just, it's like, wow, it's like a friend I've never had before. God does that. Because sometimes when it's customized by our friends, they try to customize us. 
Godly friends don't do that. If you have a friend that customizes you, back off for a bit. Give it some space. Because here's the one thing. If they're trying to customize you, they don't know what God's put in you. They don't know what God's put in you. The fourth thing is don't waver in your support. And that's the thing that Paul had was he had a support system the whole time. He had a group the whole time. Let me, let me run all the way down. When Saul left Damascus, he walked back to Jerusalem, apparently learning all that he could from the Christians who walked with him. The conversations must have been intense as Saul learned all he could about Jesus. He would have come to Capernaum, and as he returned to Jerusalem, so he's going, he's preaching the gospel left and right. He's going back and forth. He's going everywhere. But he's not doing it by himself. He's doing it with a support group. And that's what I want to also want to want to talk about. The friend, the group friends you're in. What kind of group is encouraging you to do the things that God's calling you to do? What are the support systems that you have in your life that's going to help you extend to a purpose that God has? And if you don't know your purpose, especially when you're in that friend group, then that's the wrong friend group. Not saying that they can't be changed either. But what I want you to know is, is that those friends that aren't leading you to a purpose that God has is the one friends that are going to lead you down to a path where you don't want to go. Because once you get there, you're going to think like, why? Why am I here? It always, obviously it goes to what you do, your self-reflection, your own decisions. But sometimes we let our, our people around us make the decisions for us. It's called manipulation. Some people like to manipulate. And we got to understand that we have to learn who our true friends are. Like I said, if you show me your friends, you show me your future. If you have the friends around you that are going to hurt, that are going to stab you in the back sooner or later, those are the type of friends that you need to be careful. Because that's the one thing. Sometimes it's not a gut feeling. Sometimes it's a Holy Spirit feeling. When you have a situation where it's like, man, this doesn't seem right, get out. Get out of that. Not saying that they can't change, not saying that you can speak into their life, but if they're leading you and you're not leading them, get out of there. Get out of that, get out of that route that's going to lead you to a place where you don't want to go. Cause you're not going to want to be there when you're there. And so I want to encourage you with that is have a support system that's actually going to help you. Look what they did. Saul was going to be killed. They were looking to kill Saul because they didn't know that he was actually changed and that he was going to preach the gospel in Damascus. So who did he have? He had the disciples. He had Ananias. He had all these people that were helping him get out of the situation. And that's the friend you got to look for is the someone, someone that's going to help you through stuff. Because here's the thing. There's a difference between a true friend and a, and a, I forgot what it was called. It was like a party friend or something like that. They just, some friends just want to hang out with you because they want to have fun, but they don't want to be with you when you're going through crap. They want to be with you when, when y'all can hang out and do a ton of stuff, but they won't be there when you're crying in the middle of the night and you text and they're like, man, I'm tired. I'm ready to go to sleep. Those friends, the friends that you need are the people that you can rely on the most. People that you can rely on the most. And that's what we miss. We want friends that look good, sound good, act good. But we don't want friends that are going to sit with us in moments of despair. Because I don't sit with certain boys with you guys just because I'm your pastor. It's because I want to be a friend like that where you can come to a place where there's no judgment, but there is life in it. 
And that's the friend you have to find is the person that's not just going to judge you for the crap you go through, but for the stuff they're going to bring life into. Those are the type of people you have to find. Same thing for the ladies. The Was that my final point? I think I said four. Yeah, I only had four. Acts chapter 4, verses 36. Put that up for me. I didn't write that down either. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. This was the same guy, Barnabas was the same guy that helped Saul in his journey. He helped him out with all these things. During the first week, Saul, Saul, Saul had a spiritual training camp. He had no idea. Especially when you're first saved, you don't know what you're doing. Is this the Holy Spirit? Is this coffee? I don't know. That's, that's, that's the whole dilemma. But when it comes to seeing your real friends, he had no idea then that God had placed next to him a man that was called the encourager, who was Barnabas. Barnabas in that, in that term means son of encouragement. You need some encouragers in your life. You don't need people that are going to brush off what you go through. You need someone that's going to encourage you to go through what you go through. And if you don't have that, then you're by yourself. And if you're like that to others, you need to reevaluate yourself. Because I'm here to tell you this, if you are, because I've been talking about how you need to separate yourself from those types of friends. But if you are that friend that doesn't do any of that, I want you to look in, within yourself, what, that's how I had to ask myself, I was blunt with myself. I said, what am I doing? What am I doing? How am I going to help them in a, in a season where they're struggling? And they're asking me. I didn't just go up to them. They're asking me. They're comfortable. If someone asks you and tells you certain stuff that, that they'd never really tell, spoiler alert, they trust you. Spoiler alert, they care. And they know that they can trust you with their words. What are you going to do with that when someone comes up to you and says, hey, man, I'm hurting. Hey, bro, I just went through this breakup. Hey, man, I, this friendship's not working out. Hey, my parents are fighting again. What are you going to do when that situation comes upon you? When someone trusts you with their words and trusts you with their vulnerability, what are you going to do? Are you going to brush it and be like, yo, we'll talk about it tomorrow. We'll talk about it next week. Or are you going to be there not just to encourage, not just to, not just to say stuff, but to pray with them, but to be that light for them? What are you going to do? You have to evaluate yourself in that. To finish this off, and then I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll close. Think about the way Ananias and Barnabas helped change the world. Saul, who became known as Paul, eventually would become the most important missionary in Christian history. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. We wouldn't have Ephesians, Colossians, all those Bible books. We wouldn't have that if Saul didn't turn to Paul with the right people in his life. Without Barnabas and Ananias and the disciples, he wouldn't have the right friends in his life. If he went down the same path that he was going through, he would have went down a path that would have caused great destruction and dysfunction in his own life. Because he was already, I mean, he was already dysfunctional. He was killing innocent people that were just preaching a word, preaching the gospel. And God had to send some people in his life to change him. Because maybe you're going down a wrong, maybe you're going down a path that your friends aren't supportive of and they, just, and they don't help, they just look away. I want to encourage you to find those certain friends that are going to encourage you. I know that's not fun to hear because you probably got so many friends. You got like a friend group, you got a group chat, whatever that looks like. But 
how many millions, millions of people becoming Christians, how many have been freed from the concept of salvation by grace and not by works? How many marriages have been saved by the words of 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter? How many anxious hearts have been calmed by the peace that passes all understanding? God has used those scriptural concepts for centuries, for millions upon millions of believers. I've been changed by those words too. And I want you to understand, just because it's your friends, doesn't mean that God's not involved. Because here's the problem. We rely on our friends more than God. We go to opinions of our friends more than the opinions of what our Father says about it. Because sometimes I appreciate the prayers, I appreciate the comfort, I appreciate all of that. But sometimes Jesus, this is Jesus' job. Sometimes in our life we have situations where Jesus has to fix it. I, I have a short little bit of a vulnerability, a vulnerable testimony that I'm going to close. So I've never told a lot of people about this. I just told some of my family about this a couple of weeks ago. But I have always desired to have an older brother. Always. I'm the oldest in my family. So I've always desired to have an older brother, someone I can look to, someone I can lean upon, someone that can hang out with me and comfort me. Never really had that. I searched for mentors. I searched for certain older friends that would help me. I searched for uh, uh, siblings and not siblings, cousins and all that stuff. Like I've searched for all of that, but it didn't satisfy a certain part of my heart because I had to realize Jesus is my older brother. Jesus is my older brother. I realized that a couple of weeks ago because I was, I was going through some personal stuff and the Lord revealed to me, because I didn't have anyone to lean on, Jesus said, I am your older brother. I am your older brother. Not your mentor, not your pastor, not your, your closest friend, but I'm your older brother. And that revealed to me that Jesus is, is going to be there more than any friend that you have. Jesus is going to be there more than any friend that you're going to be able to text and get through it. Even though, because the, there's so much that they can do. There's so much your friends can do for you. There's so much I can do for you. I don't have, I'm limited. There's not a lot I can do. I can't fix you. I can't change you. But God can. Jesus can. Jesus can be that older sibling for you. And that's what I needed in my life was to have an older brother, to have an older sibling. To have that thing in my life where I'm, even when I'm hurting and I don't know who else to text. Jesus was that one. Jesus was that one. You can, uh, every head bowed, every eye closed. You can turn on the lights. I want to pray for you guys for a moment because we live, we live in an age where it's easy, it's easy to find friends, but it's hard to find the real ones. Let me say that again. It's easy to find friends, but it's hard to find the real ones. Why? Because sometimes friends are only surface level. But, but God is the one that knows those deep friends that are going to be there. But maybe, maybe you've had friends before that were close with you and, and, and got you through stuff. And maybe they've done something in their life, in your life soon, like now, that has hurt you in a way. You've had friends that have caused you to live in a situation where you're hurting. And so I want to pray this prayer over you. Before we do that, every head bowed and every head closed, I want to, I want to pray this prayer over you. But, but I want to give this moment to the Lord because only the Lord can heal certain hurts that you have with friends. 
Maybe there's someone that you were close with for a long time, and all of a sudden, it's just y'all are strangers now. And you don't know why. You don't understand why it's happened. You, sometimes you get upset about it. Some, you used to cry about it and ask God, God, why? Why did they do that to me? Why did they do that to me? And so I want to pray for those certain people in here. If, if that's you, if you are that person that has been hurt by a friend and now you don't talk to them, they, they, don't even, they don't even respond to texts, whatever that looks like. If you have that certain person in your life, I want you to know that Jesus wants to be that close friend with you right now. Because if the Bible says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. What does that mean? If you let Jesus be that best friend, if you let Jesus be that older brother, he's going to send someone with that same mentality for you. Because if you're not good with God, your relationships and friendships on the surface won't be that great, won't be that sweet. But if you get with God first, if you get with God in that moment first, you can have it. So I want to take a moment, if that's you, if you are a person, we're not going to do an altar call, I'm just gonna, I just want to acknowledge who's in here that struggles with that. No one's looking around, everyone's heads are bowed. If that's you, if you have a friend that has betrayed you, you feel hurt, broken by it, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand if you've had a friend that has hurt you in a way that you sometimes you still feel a heartache about it. Your heart's been hurt. I see your hand. That's good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You can put your hands up. And for the word I want to speak to you, even the people, because I know there's people in here that didn't raise their hand because they're ashamed by it. Because sometimes friends, you don't even want to see this friend. You don't even want to, you probably unfollow them on Instagram. You probably don't even talk to them on Snapchat anymore. You just, you just left them alone. But even if you didn't raise your hand, God still sees you. God still loves you. And I want to pray over that right now. Even the ones who raised their hand, even the ones who didn't, that were afraid. It's okay to be afraid because God still sees you for who you are. So let's pray. Lord, I ask you, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, dwell in this place. Holy Spirit, speak to us right now. Lord, I ask you that you're giving the people who raised their hands, or even the people that wanted to, but were just so it was it was a it was a it was a pressured moment, Father. I pray that anyone who has ever lost a friend in, in general, Lord, that I can ask you, Lord, that you would bring them you. Lord, they need you first before any new other friend. They need you first before any other new relationship. Lord, they need you first before anybody else. They need you first. So, Father, I ask you, Lord, that you, that Jesus, you become that older brother. You become that older sibling. You become that best friend. The word says you sticketh closer than a brother. A friend sticks closer than a brother. And so, Lord, we ask you that you're sending your son to be the closest thing that we can have so that you can show us who our real friends are. Because once, Lord, once you once you show us that you are a true friend, we'll know who our real friends are. We'll know who the real ones are. So, Father, I ask you to cleanse our hearts of all the hurts we've had. Help us to deal with it. But, Lord, heal us from it. Lord, we can't live in the past. We have to live in the now. We have to live in the friends we have now. And so, Lord, I ask you, and we, and we praise you for what you've done, 
and what you're going to do in our friendships today. Lord, let us not be customized by who our friends say we are, but let us be transformed by who you say that we are in this time and this generation. And it's in Jesus' mighty, precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Y'all are good to go. Be here Wednesday for our conversation, our custom conversation. Love you guys. See y'all Wednesday.